Good morning. This is your wake-up call. Welcome to China Jedi Talk, where we interview a broad selection of the human race who spawn from different cities, towns, and villages in and around China and across the world to talk about life, business, love, strife, places, faces, different races, attractions, distractions, goals, and aspirations, creating selections, affections, opportunities, and connections, and as always, shining humor, love, and light on Chinese life. May the smile be with you. Can I just say that my questions just like yours are just begun? Can I just say that your questions just like mine are just begun? Cause it was breaking news. Hello listeners and welcome to China Jedi Talk, episode 4, where we meet, chat and get to know various people from around the world. All of which have some type of China connection, whether it be actually being from China, living and working in China, doing business with China, or even having visited China as a tourist. Um, as always, in the studio with me today is my co-host... Anthony Benton. Hi, guys. Yeah, and our guest today, Anthony, he's based in Guangzhou. Guangzhou. Yeah, big, uh, big smoke city of Guangzhou. He's a, this is very interesting, a language assessment consultant for the British Council. Uh, he's none other than Daniel Meekin. Welcome, Dan, to China Jedi Talk. Thank you. Good afternoon to you both. Hey Dan, good to meet you. You too. Well, you haven't actually met him. Have Virtually you? meet him. Yeah. <laughs> We've got to be specific it's, these days, Dan. You know, people. Digital persona. People chop up every word we say now. <laughs> <laughs> so um, let's let, let's kick off then, Dan. That's a nice pun for what we're going to be talking about later. I think um, you're based in Guangzhou. Uh, tell our listeners first of all where you're from in the world. Uh, I originally hail from Chesterfield, Derbyshire, uh, slap bang in the middle of England. Um, yeah, pretty nondescript English town, really. Not terribly glamorous. <laughs> well, not totally nondescript. I remember, um, not everyone, I used to have a, a girlfriend who lived in Derbyshire, in Bakewell. Okay, um, that's yeah. very, very close to me. In Bakewell is a lovely... It is, uh, isn't it? Picture, little town. Yeah, really nice. And, and of course, Buxton. So I used to go out there quite a lot on the train, and we went to Chesterfield one time. And of course, it's famous for the spire, right? The spear. It is. Tell our listeners about that, yeah, what the spire is. The, uh, we also have, I believe, the biggest open air market in uh, Britain, I believe. Although that's just what the locals say. It might not be true. Biggest open market. Um, open air market. Uh, open air market in, in Britain. Oh, so it has a roof because, of course, you need that in England, don't you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's an outdoor market, but the stalls themselves have roofs. Yeah. <laughs> open air, as in, oh, the stall has a roof. But yeah, but yeah. everything else is open air. You could get away with it here, but maybe not there. Um, quickly, the spear. Just tell us about that because it is quite famous, um, isn't it, Dan? Yeah, the, the Crooked Spire, um, pretty famous. Uh, it wasn't built like that intentionally, obviously. Um, I think it was built in the 12th century, I think. And the reason why the, 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 the spires have twisted over time is because the quality of the wood that they used to, do, to make it wasn't very good. Was it made in um, China? 
That's exactly that's what I was about to say. They must have been oh, So yeah, but of course it's crook. That's what's famous about it. So if you're ever in Chesterfield, anyone, um, please check out the crooked um, spy. It, it is rather bent, isn't it, Dan? It is very, very bent. Uh, or I, I, it's more twisted, really. Yes. Uh, <laughs> if you've been to Chesterfield, Anthony, you'd like it, I'm sure. Um, are you insinuating something? <laughs> I'm insinuating absolutely anything. <laughs> I'm not twisted. <laughs> or bent, no. But your name is Benton, of course. That is true. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, Anthony, fire away. Don't let me distract you. <laughs> How long have you uh, lived in China, Dan? Uh, just shy of eight years. Oh, so long time, I first arrived in China on the 1st of October 2009. So in yeah, a few days it will be my 8th year uh, China anniversary. That's congratulations I think in order, yeah? Uh, I don't know about congratulations, uh, but yeah. Uh, Commiserations? <laughs> Condolences? Uh, yeah, uh, it's up and down. Um, Did you come here with any family or kids? No, I came here on my own. Uh, didn't really have, uh, I didn't have a job, I didn't really have any money, I didn't have anywhere to live. Uh, I just sort of rolled up, I knew one person. <laughs> That's just what China wants, isn't it? I love that. Rolling up, different <laughs> kind of roll up, yes. I think he means. Yeah, I, I rolled up, uh, <laughs> I was, the initial plan was to stay for maybe sort of six months yeah. or a year. Um, I didn't, really had no idea how long I was going to last, I mean I was, I may have, Left after only a month, but um, yeah, initially it was just going to be six months or a year, and then I was going to go back to Britain and have like a normal life and get a normal job and do all those normal things. And uh, yeah, I'm still here, eight years on. So you didn't come with any family or kids? Do you, are you married now? Have you met anyone? Are you Han Solo? Uh, I'm not married. No, uh, I have a, a girlfriend who I've been with for two years now. Okay. But no, uh, I, I was pretty close actually to getting married a few years ago. Well, I don't know. I mean, she was really, she was really pressuring me to get married. Um, but I didn't marry her, and then she left me and married someone else a few months later. Oh dear, oh, yeah. Was it, was she Chinese of the Chinese variety or? Uh, she was Chinese, yes. Uh, but, yes. but your current girlfriend is Chinese as well, or? Daughter Chinese, yes. Okay, okay, so, well, you know, when you get knocked down, you get back up, don't you, Dan? You do, you do. <laughs> that's uh, that's um, certainly our motto. So, look, um, what actually brought you, though, from Chesterfield over to China? What was the reason? Uh, I always like to ask this. What was the story behind that? I, I think the reason is a cliched, really. I mean, it was just one of those jaunts to the other side of the world. You know, you kind of think, oh, I've just graduated, it'll do me good to, uh, you know, live and work uh, on the other side of the world, kind of round off my character, see a bit of the world, discover myself, that kind of thing. Um, yeah, I think, that, I think that was it, really. Um, any, any particular why China, though? Yeah. Um, well, I fancied going as far away from Britain as possible. <laughs> That's what I say to my family. That's a great advert for England, isn't it? wrong Britain, but I just wanted to experience something very, very different. Mm. So, well, Asia sounds pretty good. And I had a mate uh, who was in Guangzhou already, so for that reason I chose Guangzhou. 
Okay, that's that's what brought you to, to Guangzhou. Is he still there then? Uh, he is. You may know him, Rich. He's at, well, he's not in Guangzhou, he's, he lives in Zhongshan yeah. now. Okay, okay, yeah, Rich. Okay, yeah, lovely, uh, lovely guy. So, um, okay, that's fantastic, Dan. Well, as always, let's, uh, let's get stuck in and talk more about your profession. So, you're based in Guangzhou. You've, you've been in Guangzhou then for literally nearly eight years. You haven't lived in any other place then? No, I haven't lived, uh, no, I've only ever lived in Guangzhou. I've obviously visited a lot of other places in China, but uh, I've never lived anywhere else. And, uh, I mean, we've got here, you know, you're a language assessment consultant at the British Council. I mean, Anthony, that sounds a very nice thing to say, doesn't it, over the dinner table? Um, <laughs> but, of course, I guess what we'd like to know is what does that actually entail, um, a language assessment consultant, I can't really talk about it. It's sort of very, uh, uh, very sort of NI5, uh, <laughs> kind of stuff. stuff so huh? I can't really go into too many details. I'm sorry. Are, you, are you going to change your uh, surname to Bond? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it kind of suits me, actually. Uh, Bond. <laughs> double O Dan, maybe? Double O Dan. Dan. Like yeah, it. double O Dan. That's a very good one. We should use the name for the podcast, Double O Dan. Very good. Um, okay, so you can't talk much about it, except, if I may just stagger a guess, it's to do with language. It is, yes. And um, you, it, not a secret language of any type, but the British English, Queen's English type thing. Yeah, uh, something that resembles English anyway. Um, <laughs> okay. And, uh, I mean, are you enjoying it? Can you, can you let, let that out of the traps? Are you enjoying what you do? Do you get to travel a lot? Are you predominantly stuck in GZ? Um, it's, it's all right. It's all right. Um, yeah, I better say I enjoy it. Um, <laughs> I'm, I get to travel a lot, actually, for work, um, particularly in South China. Um, I go to Changsha, Fudo, uh, Shaman, Nanning. Um, I visit a lot of cities in South China regularly for work. Um, initially, that was quite... You know, that was exciting, being able to travel, but I've I just go to these places. I've been to them so many times. I've yeah. stayed in the same hotel. Um, kind of, the novelty's worn off, I think, now. Places like Xi'an. Uh, I've done some work in Beijing. Um, but, again, I don't really get time to really explore the city. I'm just sort of, you, you know, fly there. Um... Check into the hotel, wake up the next morning, uh, go to work, stay a few days. I don't really get time to see many of these places, which is a shame. Um, but I suppose it's better than going on to the whole time. Do you get to meet a wide variety of people then? Yeah, I meet my colleagues and lots of Chinese people. Uh, so a wide variety, yeah. I mean, I work with... Uh, a range of nationalities. Um, oh yeah, I suppose so. Do you, do you have to like, you know, like at lunchtime or something, do you have to go and sit on a park bench in a park and just like wait there looking like you're doing nothing and then someone comes and sits next to you and they hand over a little note. Your next and assignment. Then, and then you take, you take a look at it and then you walk off. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I can see how that can get pretty boring. This guy on the park bench, he's wearing like a, a full black suit and he's got black 
sunglasses on and, and sometimes like uh, character reservoir dogs, yeah. like that kind of thing. Re retrieving things taped to the underneath of the bench. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, fantastic. And what's your favourite city though? Going around though, you've been to a lot of places. What's one that sticks out to you? Although, although you've not had a lot of time to go and actually explore them now. Charmin has. I've been to Charmin a number of times. That has. That's pretty nice. Um, bit of a sort of colonial feel to it. Uh, by the, you know, it's obviously by the coast. Uh, it's just got a, a pleasant vibe. Um, mm. Charmin a number of times. Uh, I when I went to Xi'an, I uh, I liked Xi'an. I didn't make it to the Tower of the Warriors. I, I didn't have time, but just walking around the city, uh, a little bit different to most Chinese cities. Got a you know a bit more of a historical vibe. Um, also, Beijing I think is pretty cool. You go uh, you go around all of them here, Dan. It's, uh, so they're all they're all pretty cool, and I would totally agree with you. China's got some. Fantastically interesting places, doesn't it? It really does. Uh huh. So you can't talk much about your job, but um, what about any goals or aspirations that you have for the future? You know, is there any direction you'd like to head? Yeah, so, yeah, that's a good question. Like, you know, in terms of what you're doing, do you, can you can you go further in what you're doing with the British Council? Is this like a kind of stepping stone? What's your yeah your aspirations? Yeah. Um, I mean, at the moment, I'm uh, you know I'm doing my job. Um, a lot of my goals and aspirations are probably not really related to work. Uh, maybe they sound like pipe dreams, but I'd like to do some writing. Um, I'd like to write about my China experiences. Um, uh, I'd like to get into making videos as well. Um, okay. I've obviously got an interest in Chinese football, so I've been trying to make some videos about Chinese football, but at the moment I haven't quite harnessed my presentation skills, and I'm not very tech savvy. <laughs> uh, my editing skills are not very good, so I really need to work at that. But yeah, um, that that could be quite a novel thing, though. I mean, you have all sorts of these travel shows and books and what have you about the world, but if mm. you were to do something to you know linked with travel and football and China, that could be. Quite a novel idea. I mean, Dan, just, just quickly before you you go there, um, you know, it, it's known that you are very knowledgeable about Chinese football. I, I mean, I love English football. You know, I'm mad about Liverpool, as I'm sure some of the listeners will sadly know. Um, Chinese football, of course, has gone major in the last few years since the money uh -huh. that's been interjected. They've been bringing over Premier League players from England, right? Um, uh -huh. And so, you know, it's great to speak to someone who actually is knowledgeable about Chinese football. Where did that come from, that kind of interest? So, I, when I first arrived in Guangzhou, I, um, I checked to see if the city had a football team. <laughs> um, and it, it turns out that they've just been relegated from the top flight for match fixing. <laughs> and no one really seemed uh, particularly interested in them. I never saw anyone wearing the club shirt. Yeah. Um, I was teaching at the time, and I remember asking, I was giving an English corner, and I, I asked the, um, I asked my students, about 40 of them, um, uh, how many of you have heard of Manchester United? Probably sort of two thirds, maybe three quarters uh, of the class put their hands up. Mm. 
And I asked, how many people have heard of Guangzhou Pharmaceutical or Guangzhou Yao, as they were known as at the time? Nobody put their hand up. So I thought, okay, it's obviously not very big. I didn't bother following it. Fast forward about 18 months, I was really uh, missing going to watch live football because it's something I'd I'd done for years in England. Who's your team in England? Uh, Chesterfield Football Club. Okay, fantastic. Yeah, okay. uh, I'm not not something I'm particularly proud (laughs) to admit because we are currently second bottom in the Football League. Uh, (laughs) But anyway, uh, I... um, I really wanted to go and watch a, a live game, so I I checked out the Guangzhou team again, and it turns out they've been promoted to the Chinese Super League. They changed their name to Guangzhou Evergreen, mm. or Guangzhou Hanged Up in Chinese. They'd started playing red, they'd spent uh, some money, and the season had just began, this would have been around 2011. The season had just begun and they were maybe about four games in and they were top of the league. So I asked my girlfriend at the time to get us some tickets. Um, and the tickets cost 50 quid. Suffice to say, it's a good. lot more now to go. Oh, watch. really? How much is it now? Uh, I think it depends on the game. I mean, that different categories, but it probably averages about 300 for a game. But yeah, back in 2011, it was 50 quite. So I went along to this game, and I was amazed to see, you know, 40,000 people there, all wearing red, all sort of chanting in in unison. Um, And they won. They won 2 now. I remember they played a team called Shansi, Chamba, uh, who have been relocated twice since then to other cities, MK Dong style. That's very common, actually, in Chinese football. Um, So they won 2-0. I remember thinking that the standard was okay, but not really that great. Uh, So I just carried on going, um, because I like... I love the sport and I like the spectacle of a football match. Um, so I guess that's where the interest came from. Um, rewinding a little bit, did you say they were called Guangzhou Pharmaceuticals? That's right. As they in were medicine called Guangzhou Pharmaceutical, or in Chinese they were called Guangzhou Yihao. What? What's that? What's that about? Uh, I f- presume that. That was the name of the sponsor. Okay, I so it's it a company. Uh, right. Uh, I mean, it's very, very unoriginal. Uh, <laughs> strange to call a football team uh, Guangzhou Pharmaceuticals. Did, did they have but a... Yeah, uh, I think that was the name of the, uh, the club owners, the sponsors. Do they have and a they... guy dressed up as a huge tablet as the team mascot? <laughs> <or anything? laughs> yeah, Mr. Tablet mascot. <laughs> I, think, I think we could go pretty deep with that discussion, but we're not going to. Um, Dan, as a football fan myself, it just is the whole experience of being in the stadium, because I haven't actually watched a game in China. Um, you know, I saw Liverpool in the summer with my son. We went to Hong Kong. Um, but, of course, that's a, a different world altogether. Um, you know, can you drink beer in the stand? Um, you know, are there seats or is everyone standing up? What's the situation there? Uh, okay, so I think 
I'm pretty sure that almost all of the stadiums in China are all seated. Okay. Uh, you cannot drink beer in the stadium. They right. don't sell any beer in the ground. Uh, and you're not allowed to bring beer into the ground. Right. Uh, however, there is a way of sneaking beer into the ground. Uh, you might get caught, but then you might not. Um, me and some of my mates have managed to sneak beer into the ground before. Is that, is that something you learnt in your um, 007 training? <laughs> yes, yes. yes uh, very sort of, uh, sort of abs- abseil down the side of the, um, <laughs> yes. of the building, you know, I had to come on to Hammy Beers, climb back up again. <laughs> You've mentioned Guangzhou. Um, what, what are other big teams in China? Yeah, yeah, big teams. Okay, so the biggest clubs in China. Um, I'd say the second biggest club now and what's emerging as the biggest game in in China is Guangzhou Evergrande versus Shanghai SIPG. Okay. Shanghai Shangans. Um, the current season has about four games left, and Guangzhou are looking now at their seventh consecutive title. Wow, seven! Huh. Shanghai are four points behind with four games left. So, Guangzhou Evergrande and Shanghai SIPG are obviously direct competitors. Um, And there's been quite a lot of animosity between the clubs. There's been a lot of big games. Uh, So yeah, I mean, two cities in China, uh, they're obvious rivals. Other big clubs, Beijing or Am, Beijing's only top flight team. They're a big club and they have a, a large uh, fan base and some very, very ardent supporters. But uh, <clears throat> success has been pretty limited for them. I think they won the Chinese Super League in 2009. Right. But they've underachieved, actually. They're kind of like the, a bit like Arsenal, or the Arsenal of the last 15 years, really. Um, I see. Uh, Shanghai Shenhua uh, are another big club. There's two uh, teams in Shanghai, yeah? Yeah, two teams in Shanghai. So, Carlos Tevez, who, who is, by the way, absolutely rubbish, um, wow. he, um, he plays for Shanghai Shenhua. Uh, they are, I think, lower mid-table this season, so they're really, really underachieving. Um, but traditionally, they traditionally they were a big club. Um, in the nineties, uh, they were probably along with Beijing Gore, and they would have been China's China's two biggest clubs. Um, so yeah, Guangzhou, uh, Shanghai SIPG, Shanghai Shenhua, Beijing Gore, and Jiangsu Tuning, uh, based in the city of Nanjing. Again, um, big club. Big fan base, uh, big financial backing, but they're having a dreadful, dreadful season this year. Um, they're fourth bottom. They actually runners up last year. Um, they're fourth bottom this year. Wow, that's a chance. They have uh, Ramirez playing for them. You might know him <laughs> from his part of Chelsea. Chelsea yeah. Uh, yeah, now uh, Liverpool nearly signed Alex Tate. Oh, yeah, how's he doing? 
not really doing that well. Um, last season, I think he was quite good, but you don't hear much about him this year. Um, and his team are really struggling. I mean, they may even go down. I mean, it's just remarkable really to think that, yeah. that a team that spent all this money could be relegated to the China China second tier. It's, uh, you you yeah. mentioned something uh, a moment ago, which uh, got me curious. You mentioned animosity. Is this um, like just some friendly verbal banter going backwards and forth? I mean, they, they don't have football hooligans in China, do they? Skinheads. Uh, they don't, no. Okay. Um, I mean, they, they have some pretty militants and uh, fanatical supporters, though. They're not necessarily violent, um, but they're still the, they're still the bravado. <laughs> right, so um, it comes out verbally. It, yeah, it comes out, uh, yeah, it comes out verbally, um, <clears throat> probably sort of chanting and um, back and forth sort of bantering really at, at games. Um, I mean, uh, for example, a few weeks ago, this was in the Asian Champions League. Uh, it was the Asian Champions League quarterfinal between Guangzhou Evergrande and Shanghai SIPG. So this wasn't a, a league game. Um, it was the Asian, you know, the Asian equivalent of the, of the Champions League. So, the first leg, uh, Shanghai won 4-0 wow. in Shanghai. The, uh, before the second leg, the Shanghai bus was driving towards Guangzhou Stadium. And along the way, there were three car crashes oh, in front of the Shanghai team bus. So they were delayed and arrived at the stadium late because of these three car crashes. Shanghai's manager, Andre Boas, he uh, alleged that the um, that it was the same two cars involved in in these three car crashes. Oh, so wow. So they're saying deliberately by the club to delay them um, so they couldn't prepare properly for the game. Uh, so they arrived late, the game starts, Guangzhou win 4 0 after 90 minutes. So they lost the first leg 4 0. Yeah. The second leg, they win 4 0 after 90 minutes, it's tied at 4 all, oh, and wow. it goes to extra time. Yeah. Guangzhou end up winning 5-1. Away goals don't count after extra time. It goes to penalties and Shanghai win. Wow. Uh, but they were still pretty annoyed about what happened to them. Uh, so that's just kind of an example of how the rivalry has developed. Um, that's, I mean, that to, to have to lose 4-0 and then to win 4-0 the next leg, That's uh, that just wouldn't... Something that just doesn't happen in our neck of the woods, is it? But um, yeah, it does seem a little bit strange. I, I'm not going to go into any more about that. It was very, very dramatic uh, oh. and a good advert, actually, for Chinese and for, for Asian football. Well, in, indeed, isn't, isn't it just exactly that? Almost <laughs> too, too perfect in a way. Um, anyway, <laughs> before we move off the football, just quickly, I wanted to try and encapsulate um, the answer to this question. Um, 
China now is, a, is, is pumping a lot of money into its football, um, you know, grassroots. It wants uh -huh. to get a team into the World Cup. Uh -huh. Would you say that since the last World Cup, the government's been putting a lot of money in, which has dripped down to these football teams that have been working in partnerships with big private backers like pharmaceutical companies, and therefore they're able to bring over um, the stars of the Premier League that we would see regularly on Saturday, Sunday football in, in England, now actually choosing to go and make their money in a lower leveled league um, to obviously... You know, have their family uh, basically made for for life. Um, is that kind of how do you think it's happened? That that World Cup thing, the objective from the government, that's what's trickled down and created this trend. Yeah. The, the the government initiative um, to invest in in grassroots football and to develop a decent national team that can at least qualify for and hopefully compete. Uh, at the World Cup. This is just um, the fact that these clubs are spending a lot of money is just a coincidence. The two things have happened at the same time. Um, a lot of the, the, the British press, uh, their reporting of Chinese football is often wildly inaccurate. Um, they've claimed that, I think it was the Telegraph actually, who claimed that uh, I think the headline was how one man's obsession is turning China into a footballing superpower. Uh, and then it lists all of these stars that are now playing in the Chinese league. Um, this is, um, it's just merely a coincidence. The two things that are not related. Uh, this story in the Telegraph was trying to make out that these signings have been made, you know, at, at the behest of, of the government, uh, and that it's a state-funded spending spot. Right. That's nonsense. Okay. The clubs are owned by private businesses, and it's simply Roman Abramovich-style spending. The government actually wants to curb uh, this spending because they actually feel that it's damaging Chinese football and it's damaging. Um, the opportunities for Chinese players. So it, it happened at the same time. There was the, you know, okay. the government announced this initiative, but it's just merely a coincidence that at the same time these clubs are spending so much money. Okay. Uh, I mean, the thought that, 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 that Xi Jinping himself is, is demanding that Chinese clubs buy all these stars just seems ludicrous. I mean, uh, I think he's got other things to worry about, really. <laughs> yeah. Situation on the Korean Peninsula. Um, yes, indeed. But uh, but one thing is for sure: football is big business, and um, and quite clearly, Dan, it's uh, very clear that you're a very avid Chinese football fan. So that's fantastic. Um, and also, I think the BBC have uh, have requested some information from you as before as well. So that's that really shows that you're up there in the echelons of uh, knowledge. If there was ever a pub quiz team and they were asking about Chinese football, you'd definitely be my uh, friend to phone, Dan. Uh, I probably know more than most, yes. I would say. Um, I wouldn't say that I was an absolute expert, but yeah, I'd say I know more than, than the average guy. Well, look, love to talk more about it, but we can't because my researchers are, as always, in my ear. 
Um, let's talk more about you then, Dan, and actually, okay. more importantly, your location. Yeah, so based in Guangzhou for nearly eight years. Um, t tell us about uh, Guangzhou. I mean, do you like living there? I mean, it's, a, it's the city of the south, isn't it? It is. Uh, do I like living uh, here? Uh, I'm just looking out my living room window now at these grey skies. Um, <laughs> maybe skies. ask that question on a clear day. Uh, do I like living here? I do. It's sometimes. I think it's, it's very sort of love-hate. Um, I think it has its, it has its good points. Uh, I think it's exciting. I think it's an interesting mix of old and new. I think it's a city with a story. Um, um, so, well, I mean, yeah. it's I, originally I, the ancient yeah. city of Canton, right? Yeah. Um, I think it's it's almost like a collection of, of little towns, really, and each sort of area has a slightly different character. Um, so yeah, I do like Guangzhou, uh, and it's exciting and it's it's changing fast. Mm. And compared with eight years ago, I mean, it's a lot more a lot more cosmopolitan. Um, I don't think it's not a warm, cuddly community spirit. Place. I mean, it's, it's go, go, go. It's all about making a buck. Uh, and it can be exhausting, um, just the sheer number of people. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I like I like Guangzhou. It's, it's kind of, yeah, I consider it now to be my second hometown. Nice. That's good to hear. So if... Um someone was to visit, say a family member came to uh, Guangzhou or to friend as a tourist, what, what would be a tourist attraction you would recommend there? Okay, so I would, um, I would recommend, let's say you've got a day, just one day in Guangzhou. Um, I would suggest Huachong Square. Uh, so Hartung Square is not really a square, it's a sort of long linear park. Um, and on either side you've got all these uh, glistening futuristic skyscrapers. Uh, you know, very sort of neon clad, very, very, um, uh, yeah, very um, avant-garde architecture. Um, you know, extremely uh, futuristic at the very end on the other side the river, you have the Canton Tower. Uh, so I'd probably spend half of the day, uh, I'd, I'd spend half of the day there, and then I'd go to the other side of the city, the west end of the city, Liwan District, uh, which is also known as Si Guan. That's the old end of the city. Um, that's, that's kind of old Canton. Um, I think the thing is really it's the contrast between the two. I mean, it's just mind-boggling uh, to, to go to a place like Guangzhou Square, which is, you know, aesthetically very, very developed, and contrast that with sort of narrow, windy, old, sort of crumbling streets of the old city. It's, it's kind of quite a sight, really. Um, I think it's a city that that's good to sort of explore and just get get a feel for, um, rather than having loads and loads of incredible sites. 
I think it's yeah, it's a good city to sort of just soak up, really. I, I like that. Yeah, I like that explanation. That kind of sums it up quite well. Uh, Dan, what about if someone was out tonight listening to the pod? They wanted to go somewhere in Guangzhou. Uh, where would you suggest to go out to in the evening? Okay. Uh, One place. So, well, it's, <laughs> it's a difficult question to answer because it's just a huge, monstrous city and there's many different spots. And the sort of the, the main spot sort of shifts every few years. Oh, indeed. Uh, the Jujang Newtown area, for the older crowd, uh, the Jujang Newtown area has got some nice bars that do some pretty decent food. Um, there's a place called Social Company, which is really, really very nice, quite a civilised, quite a nice civilised bar. Um, for the older crowd, um, yeah, Jujang Newtown is quite a nice area. If you want loud music, uh, if you're a bit younger and you want some excitement, pass here, uh, which is a bar street along the river. Uh, that's pretty good. I mean, I'm 32 now. Um, and I'm not single, uh, so I don't really go out as much as I used to. The Party Pier, where's the nearest tube station, quickly? If I wanted to go to Party Pier, you'd take the MTR yeah, to... Yeah. So you would go to, the nearest station would be the Canton Tower Station. There you go. You go out of the Canton Tower Station, and you jump on a little tram, and then the tram goes to the Party Pier Station. Excellent. Really nice. So being a long timer in Guangzhou, you got any uh, secret spots or any special places that you could uh, show people off the beaten track? Yeah. Um, um, I'd say the Sherpai Urban Village is... That sounds interesting. Quite a nice, well it's not really, it's really a nice place, but it's an interesting <laughs> place to visit. It's. I think it's the biggest urban village in Guangzhou, and I've heard it's one of the biggest, or if not the biggest, urban village in South China. It's just an enormous warren of, an enormous sort of uh, urban village, basically, with all these winding streets. Um, it's pretty cool. Pretty how, cool. How do you spell it? What is it? Sherpai, did you say? Yeah, Sherpai. Sherpai urban village. Charmian uh, Island actually is a really, really nice spot. It's an old uh, colonial island, yeah. uh, small British and French concession. Yeah, uh, basically, a very small British colony. Um, it's a nice, relaxing, uh, nice, relaxing place. A lot of European architecture. Um, bit of, uh, a lot of expats live in that area, don't they? Uh, they used to. They used, there used to. to be a lot of uh, consulates there, but the consulates have shifted now to the other side of town, uh, along with a lot of the expats. Uh, I'm sure there's probably still a few expats knocking about. Knocking about, yes, as we as we all do, we like knocking about. Um, okay, interesting, Guangzhou. I mean, we've been I've been many times, but. Uh, for sure, I think you really need to be there to explore it more fully and really get into it. Yeah, I always get completely lost yeah. in Guangzhou. Yeah. Even, after, uh, even after eight years, I'm still kind of discovering yeah. new areas and places I didn't know. I think that's one of the things I like about living here, actually. It's almost you can never really fully know it or understand it. There's always more to discover. 
Yeah, for sure. Like, I guess, like everything in life. Okay, Dan, lovely. That's Guangzhou summed up in a little nutshell there. Um, let's talk now about uh, China life, Chinification. So, um, there are challenges we face, right, as foreigners living in China now and again. You more so than others. <laughs> I think I provide the challenges <laughs> for Chinese, not the other way around. Um, any Anything that's uh, come across for you? What's been your biggest China challenge, Dan? Your biggest one, because we know there are many. But just give yeah, us your biggest the one. Biggest one. Um, I think the, the sheer number of people, really. I mean, I grew up <laughs> in a, a, a town of 100,000 people uh, in England, in, in, you know, in suburbia. Uh, so there's the sense of space. I had the Peak District just on my doorstep. Oh, that, would, that must be nice. Yeah. Um, and I find, you know, I, find, I feel a bit boxed in sometimes. Um, yeah, just the, the pace of the place uh, and the sheer number of people I find kind of exhausting at times. Maybe that's probably my biggest challenge. Um, yeah, yeah. Pollution. Um, nationalism. Um. <laughs> okay, we, we've had a, you've given us a big one. I mean, I, you can't be. I, I always, I actually call it when I look out the sky in Zhuhai and I see that kind of grey slobber above me. I, I, I do call it the Guangzhou sky. So that's <laughs> that's kind of that's what I, I feel of Guangzhou. Um, not so not so positive. But on a positive note, Dan, um, you know, apart from the challenges, obviously there are some great benefits living in this great country um what do you think's been your biggest benefit so far from you know being in china spending nearly eight years in guangzhou what's uh, what's it given to you i really like watching uh i, I really like watching the place develop mm. um for me that's really really exciting um the changes i've seen um again that's kind of tiring that's it is exhausting um just sort of how fast-paced the place is. But I've just seen so many changes, and it's just a pleasure, really, to witness it uh, and to, to be able to say that, you know, I was there and I saw China on, on the cusp of, you know, becoming uh, what it will become. Um, I think that's, for me, that's a big thing. I mean, back home, nothing really changes. I mean, the traffic lights change. You know, <laughs> the, a, a pub closes, a Tesco, a new Tesco. Yes. I mean, nothing really. Uh, not much changes. But here, um, you know, things change quickly. So. Yeah, I, I agree. Totally agree. That's one of the things I love about China as well, is just seeing how fast it develops. You know, just seeing things pop up all over the place all the time. Aren't you? It's amazing. Uh, a couple of other, other things. Um, I think I've met a lot of interesting people as well. Um, sometimes, you know, foreigners in China don't always get, um, sometimes some of them get a bad rep, but I've met a lot of decent people. I've met a lot of very interesting people as well. Uh, so that's been a good thing. Um, and at its best, now, I mean, and I mean at its best, I think Chinese food is very, very good. Um, at its worst, I think it's atrocious. I think it's <laughs> awful. Uh, you sort of ten kwai lunch, you, you clump of rice and a bit of veg and a 
few bones. I think it's it's dreadful, but at its very best, I think Chinese food is is, is very very good. I think I think you could say the same about England as well, though, right? That's a good bit mm-hmm. of advice, though. Yeah. What about uh, have you I, got food in England? I mean, obviously, um, you know, some food in England is very very good, and some food isn't. But I, I just think the there's more of a range of food in China. Um, I, I just think food in England's all right. Just generally, it's all right. It's not dreadful. It's not fantastic. All right, now, now, come on down. We haven't come on the podcast to dish our dishes. So let's, <laughs> uh, let's, move, let's move back into to China life here. Yeah, what, have you got any funny, a funny story to tell us about China? Something? Uh, I've, got, I've got lots and lots of funny stories. Uh, but if I had to choose one, I'd like to talk yeah, about on, the first day. Uh, this must have been about four years ago, my first day working part-time at a school. Okay. Uh, now, I'm not going to name the school, uh, but it's a, a training centre in Guangzhou. And I think they've had I think they're the same training centre all over China. So anyway, I turn up for my first day, and I arrive about 15 minutes before my first class. Excellent, very British. I walk into uh, the centre and I approach the reception and there's a girl sat there, very, very sort of austere looking. And I introduce myself, um, I say, oh, hello, uh, I'm, I'm Daniel, it's my first day today. I have a class in about 15 minutes. Uh, can you show me which room I need to go uh, to teach the class in? Yeah. She says, oh, you can, use, you can use any room, that's fine. You just go in any room. <laughs> okay. So uh, I said, okay, how about this room? No, you can't go in that room. That's someone else's room. <laughs> okay, so which room can I go in? Oh, you can go in any room. Any room's fine. Just pick any room. Okay, <laughs> how, about, how about this room? No, you can't go in that room. That's <laughs> Uh, okay, so which room can I go in? Just go in any room. How about this room? You can't go in that room. That's someone else's room. So which room can I go in? And then she repeats it again and she says, you can go in any room. At that point, I got pretty, pretty angry uh, and I snapped. But we basically continued with this farce for about 10 minutes until I finally found a room. Uh, and yeah, I used that room. I don't know why she did that. Maybe she was trying to be funny. Um, <laughs> maybe, 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 it was, maybe it was your initiation test. Yes. Yeah, I think she'd been watching Monty Python or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, nice one, Dad. So, <laughs> of what we've talked about today, I mean, any any advice that comes out that you you would give to someone who's uh, you know coming to China or thinking of staying here for longer than they first expected? What bit of advice comes off your tongue straight away living here? I would say, okay, but for people who, who come to China, I would, people who are new in China, I would achieve, I'd probably stick to what you set out to do. Um, so if you're coming here for, you know, if you're going to come here for a year, come here for a year. Um don't sort of drift around and, and you can stick to your plans. If you're coming here to, to make money, try and do that. Um, 
Yeah, I'd, I'd probably suggest that people do that. Uh, again, I would say to try and, and branch out, you know, try and, and, and do other things. Uh, let's say, for example, if you're teaching, you know, do attempt other things. But at some point, I think it is a good idea to not get stuck here forever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> do you feel stuck here now? Um, uh, no, I mean, I'm still here. I'm still here out of choice. I still have to it. That's a good bit uh, of advice, Stay chilled. Um, visit other places in China. Mm. Get out about. And also visit other places in Asia. Um, yes, absolutely, yeah. Like being in England, go to Europe, yeah. Especially when, when China gets a little bit too much. Um, it's always good to... You know, to get out. I went to Cambodia recently. I had a great time there. That was really, really nice. Yeah, that that's that's another great thing. I think. Yeah, the proximity of other really interesting and different Asian cultures and countries. It's really a hotbed of um, variety, isn't it? Marvelous, Dan. <laughs> that's that's fantastic. Um, let's, uh, as we end the pod, get into talking about a little bit about promotion and connection. <laughs> So then, um, it's been great uh, having you on. We've talked about a lot of things. Um, I'd like to, first of all, ask you if you have anything to, um, you know, to finish up with in terms of plugging or promoting. Um, Dan, anything that projects you're on, new websites, anything like this? You mentioned football. Okay, so at the moment, I'm in the, uh, I'm in the process of trying to put together some, uh, some videos about Chinese football. Uh, mainly really for uh, for a Western or, or, or English audience, or British audience. Yeah. Uh, because I'd like people to sort of know a little bit more about it, uh, not necessarily believe what they read in the tabloids. So I'm trying to put together a video uh, video blog, um, trying to put together some uh, some documentaries. I ended uh, the Guangzhou Derby. Um, there's actually two teams in Guangzhou. I ran a derby game uh, about a month ago, and I tried to um, I'm trying to make a documentary about the game. I did interviews with fans outside the ground. I got some footage of the game. Um, so yeah, I mean that's sort of in the pipeline really for me. Uh, a video blog about Chinese football, uh, but I really really need to work on my editing skills. I'm not very tech savvy. Mm. Uh, my girlfriend is though, but I'm kind of a bit too reliant on her. <laughs> uh, Have you started this blog yet, or this is something that will happen soon? This is something that will happen. I've, I've um, you know, I've, I've made some videos, but I haven't broadcast anything yet uh, because it's just not ready. I haven't finished uh, the editing. Uh, but yeah, that's something that I'm looking to get into. So listen out for uh, Double O Dan blog yeah. in the future. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, so to help you along, Dan, is there um, any opportunities or anything that you're searching for? A video editor, by the sound of it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I need some. Uh, I need to learn how to present. Really, um, I think my presentation skills. Uh, I've got all the ideas. I mean, I've got the idea for the video in my head. It, you know, in my head, it's great, but that. I try and do it. It's it's not that great. So I need to work up my yeah my presentation skills and yeah video editing. 
Oh, I mean, video editing is really, really time-consuming yeah. and frustrating, I must say. Yeah, try uh, hosting, producing podcasts. <laughs> we won't get into that. Um, but yeah, Dan, as everything in life, it's practice makes perfect, isn't it? And um, it's really it nice to hear a fellow person, um, you know, doing what they love and trying to get it off the ground. So we, we wish you all the best of, of success um, with that. And Chinese football as well, I think, is getting bigger and better every year. So that's a great thing. It'd be wonderful to have China in the World Cup one day. Um, mm -hmm. Okay, so uh, to wrap things up, how to get in touch with you, Dan, if anyone wants to. Do you have a website or um, you know, a WeChat or something like that? Give us what you want to give us. Okay, so uh, I'll give you my WeChat. Okay. Uh, WeChat ID is Daniel Nikin. No space, uh, no underscore, no lowercase, uh, all lowercase, just Daniel Meekin. Okay, so that's, that's Daniel Meekin, D-A-N-I-E-L-M-E-A-K-I-N. Daniel Meekin, uh, search and connect with him, listeners, especially if you're into Chinese football. Anything else, Stan, at all? Any other platforms to know about? Uh, is there a website on the go? Is that coming soon or not for this blog? Or are you going to use that platform? Uh, that's coming soon. Uh, okay. it's, it's on its way. Hopefully, within a few months, I'll have something out. Probably a, 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 a YouTube channel. Fantastic. Well, you, you keep us abreast of, of that for sure. Keep, it, keep us up to date yeah. with what's going on there. Have you enjoyed being on today, Dan? Uh, very much so, yeah. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Yeah, yeah really That's, good to meet you, Dan. Definitely. Uh, Daniel Meekin, China Jedi Talk. If you enjoy listening to the China Jedi podcast and want to get involved, either by asking a question, expressing your opinion, good or bad, light or dark, or even appearing as a special guest, then get in touch by emailing our team at info at chinajedi.com. That's info at chinajedi.com. May the smile be with you.